0: He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now, he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC.
1: Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle
2: with you. Good morning, Dick Morris. Good morning. I'm here with Doug DePiro. How are you doing? Um, There is a message to the Democratic Party being sent out by the voters of New York State. And I hope they get it loud and clear. you don't own me that's the message to the Democratic Party of New York State from the voters of New York State you don't own me and we can show them that on election day on November 8th uh, when you do not own me and um, that's that I think is, is very important and very central um, the point about this is the Democratic Party, has become so uns- unsufferably arrogant, how incredibly pretentious. They just think they own their vote. They think that that's the only thing that, that they're the only thing that matters, and that their voters will just fall in line. And, uh, you, they don't own me. The Democrats have three candidates out there that typify this arrogance, this unbelievable presumption, the sense that their voters are sort of a captive vote that they own, start with Kathy Hochul. Uh, She's sitting in the middle of a state that is in the middle of a gigantic crime wave. People are literally leaving New York in record numbers because of fear, not just economics, not just taxes, not just any of that, but fear. And uh, being ripped off. A fear of getting killed. Yeah, and mothers don't want to send their kids on the subway because they could get pushed off the platform. Oh my god! What did um, what did uh, we just lo- What did we just hear that there were twenty-seven pushings off the platform in New York City. Twenty-seven. I think uh, um, DePiro had that. <laughs> DePiro, which that's so, me. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, twenty-seven being pushed off the platform. And uh, the murder rate is high. The felony rate is increasing dramatically. And yet when Zeldin raised the issue of crime in their debate and appealed to people to think about crime, this is the response he got.
3: This governor, who still to this moment, we're, not, what, we're halfway through the debate, she still hasn't talked about locking up anyone committing any crimes.
1: Okay. Anyone is- who commits a crime... Under our laws, especially with the change they made to bail, has consequences. I don't know why that's so important to you. Well, it's not that important.
2: Yeah, it has consequences. They get let out of jail. It's not important. Uh, and why is that so important to you? Well, the reason it's so important to me, Zeldin should have said, is I was sitting, my kids were sitting in their home in New York in a suburban neighborhood, I think in Nassau County, and there was a shooting oh, yeah, right. outside of the house. And my kids were there. They were in the house when there was a murder on the street. And why is it so important to me? Because I was giving a speech, and some son of a gun shows up with a knife and goes for my throat. That's why crime is kind of important to me, Captain. yeah. Yeah, I don't have it's your security guards. You meant to say that. But crime is kind of important. But the arrogance... Of floating this woman to be the candidate for governor, uh, she her only qualification is that she was Cuomo's lieutenant governor, and the only reason he chose her was he needed balance on his ticket. He needed a woman, and needed an upstater, and he needed what at the time was seen as a political moderate. So uh, a, a, a female elephant would have been fine, uh, just uh, just a, a Republican, not not a Republican, Democrat, but. I mean, a female elephant. The the point was that any female would do fine in that, in that situation. She just had to be from upstate New York and she had to be more conservative than he was. So he put a Hokel on his ticket, never imagining in the, the wildest imagination that she would ever be governor or run for anything. Then when Cuomo gets thrown out, Instead of canvassing the waterfront and saying, okay, who do we have on our bench who we can send in instead of Cuomo? Where are these other people we could take?
0: Of
1: Hochul, you mean. Uh, Hochul, I'm sorry. Yeah, right, right, Cuomo.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, after Cuomo left, yeah. who do we have on our bench to replace him? Uh, what officials in New York City? What in New York State? What's in the state legislature? What about Letitia James, the attorney general? Instead of canvassing that, they go to the lieutenant governor simply because there would be no primary. It's easy. She ascends to the office.
0: That's a given, though, the lieutenant gets –
2: it's not a given? It's a given, but not that she'd be renominated. Oh, God. It's that she takes office, yeah. But why would you run her? Mm-hmm. Why don't you say Kathy Hochul's here as a caretaker, and now we'll go with a real candidate. Right, right. Uh, nobody on earth thought that Kathy Hochul should be governor. I mean nobody would you 've been joking if you said that she should be the nominee instead of Cuomo, and yet the Democrats stick with her, they run with her they 'll live with her and die with her mm-hmm. uh, and and this woman had no qualifications, and they knew it because they wouldn 't even consider her for governor then there 's the second instance of total democratic arrogance taking us completely for granted, and that is the simple fact of nominating. A 79-year-old man for president, knowing full well in arithmetic that in 2024, when he had to run for re-election, he'd be 81 or 82. You Just do the math. And any candidate of that age is a problem. And certainly with the indications of dementia that Biden had manifest. What am I doing here? What am I doing here? What am I doing here? Yeah. What am I doing here? yeah. yeah. Where are you doing here? And uh, the arrogance of the Democrats in thinking that they could put Biden up, and now flirting with the idea of his running for re-election, they'll never do that, but they're thinking about it, and it just shows how arrogant this party is. And then we come to Pennsylvania for the trifecta of total arrogance. Uh, here they have a candidate who is a legitimate candidate. He was lieutenant governor, but not like Hochul. He was on his way up and he was given the nomination of lieutenant governor with the assumption that at some point he would actually run for governor, Uh and uh, he was a coming figure in the state. So they put him on the ticket. He gets elected lieutenant governor. He's running for the Senate, and in the middle of it he gets a stroke, and he can't function. He can't get out of sentence. He can't talk. And the Democratic Party, nevertheless, puts him up for Senate and asks people to vote for him when he probably couldn't even get it together to go into the voting booth and vote for himself. Oh, God. I must correct the uh, record. He uh,
3: just a second, Mr. Oz. I do want to clarify something. You're saying tonight that you support fracking, that you've always supported fracking. But there is that 2018 interview that you yeah, said, quote, I don't support fracking at all. So how do you square the two? Oh. Uh, I, I I do support fracking. And... I don't, I don't, I support fracking, and I stand, and I do support fracking.
1: I feel sorry for this guy. Yeah. Tell
0: you.
2: So, yeah, you can feel sorry for him, but what the hell business do the Democrats exactly. have in saying this guy should be our senator? This guy should determine who controls the Senate. Oh this right. guy should be the 51st vote. When, look and listen to that answer again on fracking. I must correct the Uh, record. uh,
3: Just a second, Mr. Oz. I do want to clarify something. You're saying tonight that you support fracking, that you've always supported fracking. But there is that 2018 interview that you said, quote, I don't support fracking at all. So how do you square the two? My God. Uh, I, I, I do support fracking. And I don't, I don't, I support Fracking. And I stand, and I do support fracking. Oh, it's hard to
2: hear. Yeah. It's hard to listen to. So, so, I mean, the arrogance of putting Hochul, Biden, and Fetterman on Right. It and say that the first one should be the governor of the fourth most important state in the country. The second name should be the president of the United States and be reelected. Ugh. And the third should be not only senator from Pennsylvania... But the fifty-first vote who decides who controls the Senate? I, I think Donald Duck was busy. The the yeah, <laughs> the Democratic arrogance is such. And let's go back to what Leslie Gore sang about it—the message that they have got to you get. Don't own me,
0: Donald Duck. He was busy.
1: <laughs>
2: they thought they nominate another quack. <laughs>
0: It really, man, this is ridiculous. Don't this me. Don't try to
1: change me. Morons collecting really morons. It's Sunday,
2: and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on seventy-seven WABC.
1: Clowns to the left of me, to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm.
2: I missed that screech a little bit, a you know, little bit. Anytime time there's a midterm election, a congressional race, the goal of the of both of the political parties is to weave their narrative together into one campaign theme so that it becomes one national campaign, not 33 races for the Senate and 50 races for governor and 435 races for Congress, but one coherent national theme. Mm. And the question is, can you do that? Can you put it together in one theme? If you can't, all you're getting is chaos. You're getting discordant voices. They're saying one thing in New Hampshire, another in Vermont, another in Massachusetts. They overlap. They contradict each other. And there's no way that you get any coherence from it. That was the genius of Newt Gingrich's contract with America. He consolidated the efforts in 1994 into one coherent theme. And uh, then in 2010, the Republican Party coalesced into the theme of opposing Obamacare, that led to them winning 62 seats in the House. Now the Democrats, the Republicans obviously have their theme. Trump supplies it at every rally he goes to: inflation, uh, immigration, and crime. Nobody can forget those three points. In my book, uh, *The Return: Trump's Big 2024 Comeback*. I say that that is the theme of this party, and they certainly have followed that marvelously. The Democrats didn't have a theme at all, and then they had abortion. And they thought that when the abortion decision came out, that would give them a theme. And all of a sudden they felt they now had a way of uniting their party. So they all came together and they went off the cliff together. <laughs> Lemmings. Because they didn't, they they just looked at one freeze frame. They said, we have an issue here that can really attract us voters. But they didn't realize that the Republicans would just come back and say, hey, I'm not going to change the abortion law in your state. And the minute they said that, that theme went away. That was your strategy. You yeah. told all the candidates
1: you got to go with this. You got to talk to him. That was you alone—not alone, but that was
2: you. Dick no, I, I did. I when I spoke he, to President Trump about it, he needs to take it,
1: credit for this.
2: When I spoke to President Trump about it, he said, um, "He said abortion is is killing us. It's going against us." About rape, we 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 need exceptions here. We can't focus on this issue. And I said, "You have to get out there and give a one sentence rebuttal." Right. Which is, "I won't change the law in your state." They got a guy running for Senate say they will not support a federal mandate of a law. If you got someone running for governor, say they will not change the law in that state. And it worked. And when Zeldin said that, he went up in the polls. He became competitive. You called him. And to, now you he's gave
1: gonna... him the idea, right? Yeah. And I, when, I when, when he was talking to Trump, um, Trump was going, I don't know what Dick to say 'cause because I did a poll, Mr. President, I did a poll. He goes, you don't go to the bathroom without doing a poll. Yeah. <laughs> That's what <laughs> President Trump said. That's tomorrow. what Trump
2: said. I'm considering having that framed and posted in my <laughs> bathroom. You don't go to bathroom. the bathroom without <laughs> doing a poll. That was hilarious. So uh that <laughs> failure to weave together a coherent narrative about their campaign is now so evident and it's crippling the Democrats. One candidate says, uh, Leora Levy, my opponent in oh, Connecticut, so is uh, is a tool of Trump. Uh, another right. says that the Republicans are the tools of the January 6th riot. Another one says the guy who threatened Paul Pelosi in his home, he's uh, the why we have to win. Biden says... Political violence is our theme. Uh, everybody has a different theme, and the themes just do not he- hew together. There's nothing integrating them, and uh, and I think that's that's crucial. Um, I just actually wrote an ad that I'm going to propose to the Zeldin people, because they figured out that all of the votes that they need to get, their undecided votes, are all Democrat because the state's Democrat. So the ad goes. Our great mayor, Fiorello LaGuardia, once said, there's no Democratic or Republican way to clean the streets. Well, there's no Democratic or Republican way to fight inflation at 10% when, you're, when you've are when you spent too much money, or to keep the price of gas down when you aren't doing any gas drilling, or to stop you from getting raped and robbed or murdered because they let criminals out of jail. It's not a choice between Democrat and Republicans, It's a choice between right and wrong, and Lee Zeldin is right for New York, and Kathy Hochul is wrong. And uh, the transcending party, but having a unified national line. Now, because the Democrats have not done that, and because they never outlived their own abortion issue and never prepared an Act B or a Plan B mm. for when the Republicans rebutted it, and because they have no theme at all, Bye bye Biden Yeah
1: just beat it
2: Yeah just beat it uh, we are now uh nine days away, eight days away from getting rid of Joe Biden. Uh, he'll stay in office as president. They're not going to throw him out, largely because the Democrats understand he was the biggest mistake they've ever made, and they're not prepared to succeed him with an even bigger mistake of, uh, of Vice President Harris. Uh, so they won't admit that, but what they will do is tell him, look, you gotta get out there and you gotta say you're not gonna run again in 2024. Right now that appears to be an unusually harsh step to take. But, put yourself in the position of the Democratic Party on November 9th after the election. You're losing the Senate, in my judgment, by 54 or 55 seats. You're losing the House, in my prediction, by 60 seats. You've lost the governorship in New York, Michigan, uh, and a, in, in a host of other states, Wisconsin, Minnesota, uh, all over the country. And, uh, you've just been eviscerated. In fact, it's, it's not a tidal wave. It's not a tsunami. The metaphor I'm using for it is, you remember in your his your ancient history or geology classes, you learned that there was this horrible episode in prehistoric times when a meteorite hit the planet Earth. And it actually landed in the, what is now the Caribbean Sea.
0: You were around back then, weren't you? Yeah,
2: right. And kicked up such a dust storm that all the dinosaurs died because they couldn't breathe. Mm. Well, that's the metaphor for what's going to happen <laughs> on Tuesday, November 8th. Awesome. All those dinosaurs are going to die because they can't breathe. And uh, they're going to come to Biden and they're going to say, look at what you've done to us. You can't keep doing it. You've got to get out of here. You can't stay in office and say that you're running again. We'll let you stay on because we don't want Harris as our president. But you've got to take yourself out of the race. And at that point, I predict this in my book, The Return, and you're going to have a bunch of candidates. The leftists will all come out, Bernie Sanders, uh, Gavin Newsom, and I suspect even AOC will run. And then they'll go to Hillary and say, please spare us from a takeover by the left. And she'll come in. She'll say, "I'm the moderate voice," and she'll be a serious candidate for president. Uh Let's go to um Jude in Brooklyn. It's making a great point, Jude. Hi. Hey Jude. hey Jude. Yeah.
0: Hey. Good night, every. Good night, everyone. <laughs> That's, this
2: is Judith. Oh, this is Judith. They put it this down as Judith. Jude. They put it yeah. as Jude. Yeah. Hello, oh, Judith. Oh,
0: Jude. Hey Jude. Well. Good night, everyone. You know why I'm saying that? Because, Doug, you started out, there's a 12 noon, you go, good morning, everyone. I know, I
1: know. that's after I said it. <laughs> I do that on okay, purpose, Okay, you got usually. that. Not so I think time.
0: I may as well answer you good night. May as well, all right. Listen, listen, I, I'll give you a democratic, I have a few things. I have, I'll give you a Democrat, democratic theme that they've got. Bread, eggs, gasoline, everything unaffordable. So you've got people, literally families that are working three jobs to try to make ends meet, but they're putting up illegal migrants in hotels.
2: Judith, I so? don't mean to rush you through the list. It's <laughs> worth hearing. But are you making points? I think about Letitia James, yes. and I wanted to yes, get that yes, out yes. there.
0: Yes, yes, All right, all right. I will. And by the way, before I do that, just vote no on all four ballot proposals. No, and because it's all CRT wokeism, all dressed up, whatever. So just vote no, 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 all down the line for four ballot proposals. Okay. Uh, there is someone very interesting who's running against Letitia, Letitia James. His name is Michael Henry, and he stands for three things that are really good. He supports the police, he wants to strengthen criminal laws, and he wants to end bail reform. And let me just say, Letitia James is a huge part of New York's problem. She, two things I got to point out. Oh, she kidding. was a very early supporter of cashless bail, and she introduced the Police Accountability Act, which basically handcuffs the officers and protect protects the criminals. Yeah, let me she explain really that. is part of the problem. Let me
2: explain that. Pardon? Cops right now have immunity from lawsuits against them uh, in connection with their official duties. And the cop can be sued, but the city is basically the, plaint- the defendant. Right. Um, and the city has to pay the judgment. So a cop can make an arrest with impunity knowing that, that if he's wrong, the city will have to pay for it. Under this law, he can personally be sued. He could lose his house. He could lose his That's pension. Horrible. He could lose his job. His family could be in debt for the rest of their lives because he made a mistake in the press of his business in terms of an arrest. This isn't a matter of physically abusing somebody. It's a matter of just busting them for a crime that which they shouldn't have been arrested for. And there's a suit lawsuit brought against them. Letitia James has one big campaign promise to go after Donald Trump. Right. And she did, and she did, and for that reason alone she needs to be voted out of office. So give us the name of, his, of her opponent again, Judith.
0: Yeah, pardon? So vote, for, yeah, Michael Henry. Yeah. He's the one. He's really good. Michael Henry, Michael Henry, Michael Henry. Okay.
2: <laughs> you only have to vote for one of those guys, Michael yes. Henry. Thank you, Judith. <laughs> Thank we you, love Judith. you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, when we come back. We're going to go up to Rockland County and we're going to talk about the most wonderful, entertaining, delightful congressional race in the country. Um, Sean Maloney, who is the chairman of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, the national campaign manager, basically for the Democrats and John and Nancy Pelosi is about to be defeated by Mike Lawler. And uh, we'll have Lawler on to talk about that. Awesome. Stick around. Awesome. It's Sunday, and you know what that
0: means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to
1: the left, of me; us to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle.
2: With you. The guy who is in charge of protecting the Democratic majority in Congress the guy who doubled out the money to each Democrat and to each challenger to protect the Democratic majority, the guy who was chosen by Nancy Pelosi as the man to protect the Democratic majority was a guy named Sean Maloney. And uh, he's a congressman, as anyone who's the head of the Democratic Campaign Committee would be. And there's a special joy in chess when you corner the enemy king and you do checkmate Because, you know, the next move, you're going to take the king. And Mike Lawler, the Republican candidate for Congress in the Rockland County area, I think it's the 17th district, uh, is the beneficiary of this song. He's going to shoot him down. I shot the
1: sheriff. I did not shoot
2: the dead. I shot the sheriff. He shot the sheriff. And with your help, he'll finish the job on Election Day. Yeah, man. Welcome to the show, Mike Lawler.
3: Thanks for having me, Dick. How are you? Good.
2: It's great, hey, Mike. So uh, I can't believe that you actually went into the enemy camp <laughs> and destroyed their chief. <laughs> that, that was <laughs> That is incredible. We will have a great laugh over that on on November 8th. Hysterical laugh.
3: Well, you know, he did it to himself. Uh, You know, he uh, sent a memo to state Democrats back in January of this year uh, during the redistricting process and demanded that they gerrymander the congressional map and all but eliminate Republican representation in New York. And they stupidly did it. And, you know, it went to court and they lost. Uh, The Democrat-appointed Court of Appeals in New York ruled that the maps were unconstitutional and gerrymandered. And they threw them out. And in doing so, they appointed a special master who created a fair map. And that's what we're running on now. And Maloney is on the verge of defeat. Uh, you know, we're not going to defeat Nancy Pelosi, uh, but we are going to end her reign as speaker and take out her deputy in doing it. And I think all across the country uh, over the last week, you know, all eyes are on this race. Uh, and if people want to support us and help us finish the job, they can go to FireMaloney.com. That's FireMaloney.com. I love that.
2: Fire Maloney. So must take him out. That is terrific. Um, like, so, like
3: I shot the s- sheriff Yeah, exactly.
2: So what issues are you using, Mike? How are you beating her? Beating Well, him? it's very simple.
3: It, it, it comes down to two main issues, uh, affordability and crime. Uh, Right now, we have a 41-year record high on inflation, uh, and families all across the Hudson Valley, which is predominantly suburban communities, uh, but we pay among the highest property taxes in America, Uh, people are struggling. And they're they're really being stuck uh, between choosing to pay their grocery bill, their mortgage, their rent, uh, their gas bills, their home heating bills. Uh, And they're concerned. And Sean Maloney has done nothing about it. In fact, he's made it worse by voting for the Inflation Expansion Act, uh, which did not reduce inflation. Uh, It negatively impacted GDP. And he raised taxes on middle class families. And so, you know, folks are looking at this and and they realize this is not working. You know, for the first time in our nation's history. Democrats control everything in Washington, Albany, and New York City all at once, and they have created a mess. You know, families um, can't afford it, and they don't feel safe. And that's the problem.
2: It's not really about party. It's about right and wrong, competent and incompetent. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's amazing how the current administration has run stuff into the ground. Um, You know, there's a phrase the British used to have when they appointed somebody to be, you know, Viceroy of India. And then he sympathized with the Indians too much. They said he'd gone native. Uh, I think right. that Sean Maloney has gone Washington. I think he's forgotten where he comes from, and he's gone too much to D.C.
3: No, no question. And you know, he he came in a decade ago uh, running as a moderate, as a, you know, a centrist, and in doing so. Uh, you know, he got elected. And now, 10 years later, he is the chair of the DCCC. He's hyper-partisan. He has voted 100% of the time with Nancy Pelosi uh, and, and Joe Biden. And he is responsible for, for the challenges that we're dealing with. I mean, you look at crime. He said that cashless bail was his top priority. Huh. Uh, and, and you know, he has created a, a situation where crime is up Thirty-six percent since cashless bail took effect.
2: Well, let's forty
3: percent. Let's,
2: uh, let's play a clip. Those, yep, let's sorry. play a clip here of the Lee Zeldin, Kathy Hochul debate on your point.
3: This governor, who still to this moment, we're at, what are we halfway through the debate? She still hasn't talked about locking up anyone committing any crimes. Okay. Anyone is- who
1: commits a crime under our laws, especially with the change they made to bail, has consequences. I don't know why that's so important. You- no, it's not
2: important. <laughs> <laughs> the reason it's so important to me, lady, is that my two kids were home in their house and there was a shooting outside on the street uh, in the middle of Nassau County. That's why that's important.
3: I, I mean, talk, look, talk about clueless. Um, but it's important not just because, uh, you know, of Lee Zeldin's experience, it's important because you have people being shoved in front of oncoming subway cars. You have people being slashed and killed on subway platforms, shot in broad daylight in the street, an 11-month-old baby being shot, a 20-year-old mother walking her baby in a stroller being shot and killed. That's why it's important. My God. My and, God. you know, I, I mean, listen, it's, it, it, it even came to the doorstep of the Speaker of the House. And it's shameful. Yeah, it, I mean, it we is. have a real we have a real crime crisis in this country, and uh, hey, and, Mike, and we uh, get I, serious. I,
2: about I it. hate to cut you off, but the law requires that I allow you only five minutes because you're an actual candidate for office. So you stop talking, and I'll talk about you for the next eight minutes. Thank okay?
1: you so much, Mike.
2: Okay, take care, Dick. Good, thank you. Um, you know uh, what this election is about is really the extinction of an entire generation of Democratic officeholders. Their entire bench, their entire backup is up for election and is going to lose this election. Uh, Sean Maloney is not just a congressman. He's not just the head of the the Democratic Campaign Committee. He is the number four in leadership in the House. So he's the speaker-in-waiting, and uh, when you knock him off, you knock off a whole generation of de- Democratic aspirants who wanted to uh, move up and run their party. Uh, and you leave. That's how the Democrats ended up with Joe Biden. Everybody else who was younger was just incompetent or had been uh, had, had made serious errors. And the only one they were left with was an 80 year old guy. And that's what we're about to do to them in the House. Um, let's go to Joe in Manhattan. Hi, Joe. Hi, Joe.
3: Hello, Mr. Morris. Thank you very yeah. much. It's an honor to speak to you. Did um, I meet
2: you the other night?
3: No, I don't think
2: so. No, I'm no. sorry. No. It was another Joe from Manhattan. I guess there are a few Joes in there. Uh, <laughs> you think? Yeah, go You're ahead.
3: you just a Joe. I am mean, in but the whole thing is, Mr. Morris, I, I, I had a question, basically. You know, the whole thing is that, you know, I support Lee Zeldin. I can't wait to vote a week from now for this. Because the whole thing is that I know what's going on in my city here. It's bad news. But the whole thing is that, what's going to happen within the next two years with this now the whole thing is that could it be a false flag attack that's going to happen do you think that no. possibly the Democrats are gonna basically pull the trigger and that's going to be it or they they, they do something in Ukraine or something like that and start World No, War I, I
2: don't think so we'll just have terrible inflate what what terrible inflation and terrible depression The point is that in twenty thirteen and in twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four we will describe 2022 as the good old days.
1: Imagine that.
2: The days when the economy was doing well, the days when all we had was 10% inflation and we didn't have the massive layoffs that will happen in 23 and 24. Uh, some people, I, I was talking to Trump the other day, and I said, you are inevitably the next president because no Republican, no no Democrat can possibly survive What's going to happen to the economy in 23 and 24? And any Republican is going to win, and you have a lock on the Republican nomination.
0: But he asked if uh, any shmeggy? No, he
2: said, uh, I said, well, nobody nobody will even oppose you. you. And he said, ah, some shmeggy.
0: Shmeggy.
2: I had to to look up shmeggy. That's the word he used. That's funny. He's
1: such a New Yorker.
2: We're really... Endangering and wiping out the core of the Democratic Party when they lose sixty seats, that's sixty candidates for the future, and their party is absolutely going to be bankrupt because of that. Uh, let's go to uh, let's go to uh, Jack in New York. Hello, Dick. Hi, Jack in New York here. Hey. The question is
3: this: How are you? I'm the good. question is this: Part of the January sixth committee is that Trump acted. President Trump acted too slow when there were individuals, some 800 individuals, going into the Capitol. How was he supposed to contact 800 individuals personally to stop what they're doing? Yeah,
2: well, he made a speech on TV, told them to go home, and before they showed up, he asked the governors of Virginia and Maryland and the mayor of D.C. and the Speaker of the House to call out 20,000 National Guardsmen. To protect the safety and the the democracy of the process. And they refused. They refused. What do you
0: think? Why do you think that?
2: Because they wanted a riot. Uh, They wanted this. They needed this as an issue to run on. Uh Uh, They wanted that. I mean, come on. Give me a break. Let's go to um, Doug in uh, New Jersey. Hey, Doug.
3: Hi, Dick. So, my concern is election integrity. Now, in 2020, they said Trump won 74 million votes; Biden got 80 million. The problem is there were only about 135 million actual voters, so the fraud came in the form of fraudulent ballots. Well, yep.
2: Well, let me let me, get, let, me uh, let me telescope your question here because I got to get got to go into a break. Um, in 2023 and 24, we are going to have a bulletproof system that will stop any election fraud. At the moment, we have a system like this in effect in Florida, Arizona, and uh, Georgia, but not in the other swing states, particularly in Pennsylvania. And there, I think there will be fraud, and we just have to win the election by enough so we offset that. But there is a case coming up in the U.S. Supreme Court that will be heard in uh January or February, called Moore v. Harper, and the court has already agreed to hear it. And uh, that case argues that the legislature, not the governor, has authority to, over the times, places, and manners of elections for the Congress. That's from the Constitution. And the judges, I think, are going to go along with that, and that means that we'll be able to pass really foolproof voting reform legislation in all of the swing states where we have already passed it, but the Democratic governors have vetoed it. And that includes Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and North Carolina. It's about
1: the legislators, right? Yeah,
2: that's right. Let's go to George in Rockland. Hey, George.
1: Hey, uh, Mr. Morris. Uh, So see what you're thinking about that. Okay, so Sean Patrick Maloney, okay? So because of the redistricting, he actually lost his district. Yeah. So he came...
2: We we just had Mike Lawler on. Uh, who, are you supporting Lawler? He's the, uh, Republican. Yeah. And, uh, we talked about that and we talked about how stupid Maloney was and in doing that. But thanks for your call. So when we come back, we're going to talk to a real feisty, wonderful candidate of all of the Republicans running for Congress. She's the one who absolutely has my heart and, uh, she's incredible. And she is, her name is Tina Forte. The tough broad from the Bronx. And she is taking on AOC and sparing no punches in her fight. Gotta love her. And, uh, you know, you can't tell at this point how far the tide will come in uh, because it certainly is in our direction and certainly is in danger of overwhelming AOC. So stick around.
3: it's
0: Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's
1: Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clouds to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you.
2: Well, let's intro this lady with a song worthy of Tina Forte. She, she is. sure is a warrior. She really is. And she describes herself as a tough broad from the Bronx. I love it. Welcome love to it. the show, Tina. Hi, Tina.
1: I love it. Thank you for having me. Hi, Dick. Hi, Dog. How are you? We're
2: great. We're great. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. I'm actually in College Point today.
2: I'm mm-hmm. um,
1: giving out candy at a street festival, but I just wanted to let you know that there was actually a shooting today outside the Bronx River Houses in Soundview. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. We're building from a pole site in broad daylight. Oh, my God. The Democrats have not kept us safe. It's time for change. This is by far a horrible, horrible time in New York.
2: Horrible. And um, and AOC hasn't actually endorsed crime, but she sure has opposed anything to stop it. Because of her, we let people out as soon as they're arrested. Because of her, there are no mandatory sentences. But she, she says she's for gun control, and she is for everybody except criminals, uh, because she doesn't want to make a mandatory sentence if you're carrying a gun. Um, she's done everything she can to stop police from being on the subway. Tell them about that, Tina. And
1: what are you going to do with that, So Tina? The Democrats like AOC, they support it, and they still support the Cashless bill, letting criminals walk free. Hmm. They have our police handcuffed. And she wrote the very letter stating that more cops in our subway was racist. Meanwhile, people of all colors are being beaten and thrown in front of trains. So she's just a hypocrite because she does support defunding our police. And when she comes to a town hall, she calls ahead to the police department to make sure that she has security. Oh, outside. that's for her, though. She's a hypocrite and a disgrace. Yeah, that's
2: for her. Yeah. So yeah. tell us about the subway crime. She. They The question was, would cops be increased on the subways? And yes, she said no.
1: Right. she No, she actually removed the police from the subway, Ugh. saying it was racist. Oh, That's God. why there was all this crime. I yeah. want to put police back on the subway where they belong.
2: And, you know, the economics of the mass transit system depend on a high level of usage. But who the hell is going to go on the subway when there's a risk of getting pushed over the platform? Absolutely.
1: Exactly.
2: And Tina, tell us about what you did about COVID. That was so gutsy.
1: Oh, what I did with COVID, I did so many different things with COVID. I stood outside schools with signs that said "Hunt, unmask our children." I ran from school district to school district, all 62 counties across New York with the mama bears, it's a mama bear group. and we would go out and we'd pick a day and we'd give each school a statistic of what your child was sold out for. And we would rally and we would protest and we would yell out what was going on in our schools. I would go to the school board meetings. I would call out the superintendents and I stood on that for a year straight. I did not stop for a year straight. I made sure every day I had a bullhorn in my car and a piece of Oteg sign, and it said, Honks Unmask Our Children, I would cord yeah. noise everywhere and, I went.
2: And, of course, and Tina, said, now, you're, I, now you're looking at the results of that, which is lousy math scores and reading scores, Several yes. a decade of progress erased in two years uh, because of the lack of classroom instruction. And how many people under the age of 5 or 10 died of COVID? Like Zero. I mean, like zero. anybody who did had some other condition mm-hmm. that almost mm-hmm. killed them, uh, but zero. And uh,
1: COVID was just a power grab yep. for the yeah. Democrats. The Democrats created yep. this recession. They created this inflation. They created this border crisis, and they created this crime surge. Plain and simple. I, I, say, I say it straight up, and AOC still won't debate me. On any of these issues, she will she not correct debate. She's oh, hiding you? like a coward. AOC coward. Yo, chew AOC her AOC up. I mean, AOC kid chicken.
2: Well, would you debate you, Tina? <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta be nuts.
1: I like that. I mean, You're yeah, right. Yeah, come I wouldn't. I won't. Go
2: into the ring and face the lion. Be my guest. He's a sword. She's amazing. Okay, all
1: right. Got me there. Yeah, that's it. You wouldn't debate <laughs> you. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty
2: good. But uh, but you know the the whole thing here is that this these are not problems the Democrats have failed to solve. These are problems the Democrats have created. Of course, yeah, and uh, that's the key point that you're making, Tina, and I think it's terrific. Yeah. But apart from the Democrats, apart from AOC, this feisty broad from Brooklyn from, from the, the Bronx. Bronx from The Bronx is just the kind of politician we need in politics. Uh, I, It doesn't matter who she's running against. She's worth getting elected just simply because of who she is, how she thinks, and how she talks. And she'll get things done. Yeah. Go thank get, you. Go get them, Tina. I will. We love thank you, me. Tina. We love you.
1: Thank you. God bless you. Bless and you. And thank you for having me. And that yeah.
2: song came from Maureen, your friend
1: morning. <laughs> I love you all.
2: Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
1: Bye. Take care.
2: Okay. Let's go to Joe in on Long Island. Hey, Joe.
1: Yes. Good afternoon. Okay. Um, I'm just concerned about something and maybe, you know, you can explain it. I understand you advise a lot of Republican campaigns, particularly for the Senate. I don't know if that's true or not. Yes, it is. Okay. Well, You know, the Republican Senate candidates have done phenomenally well. They came from behind. Now a lot of them are neck and neck, and some of them have even pulled ahead. I'm worried with this last stretch, this last week, they'll start to back off and take their foot off the gas. Not if if
2: Dick Morris has anything to do with it. No, they're not. They're not. They're in close races, and they're going for it. But let me say this. I believe that it's obvious that Oz is going to win in Pennsylvania. That holds us at 50 seats. Then Laxalt is now five ahead in Nevada. He's going to win. And, uh, Walker is now four or five ahead in Georgia. He's going to win. And if it gets forced into a runoff, uh, the runoff would be 75% white voters, 17 black. And he's getting 70% of the white vote. And a quarter of so the black So he'll win vote. the runoff. So he'll win. He probably won't even be in a runoff. But. He would win it if it, if there right. were one. Uh-huh. And, well, you don't even uh, think
1: he's going to – oh, wow. I That's, think
2: he may even avoid a runoff. Beautiful. And then Arizona is the only one that I'm a little iffy about, because, but they've now pulled into a tie.
1: Master-
2: Masters right. against Kelly, and uh-huh. I think Masters has the momentum, obviously. So that would be 54 seats, 53 seats right there, and we need 51. Then you move past that. I think Leora Levy has a She's hell so of a worried. shot – Of winning in Connecticut, and I think that Joe O'Day has an excellent shot of winning in Colorado. And that's a funny one. You know what the biggest argument for O'Day is in getting Democrats to switch over and vote for him? No. That Trump said, don't vote for him. You're right. (laughs) Trump disendorsed O'Day. And said he's another rhino. He's spineless. He's all of that. Don't vote for him. And I think that may be his campaign slogan in Colorado. That might just be enough to push him over the top. The Republicans are going to vote for him because we want to organize the Senate and we need the vote. The Democrats will probably vote for him because Trump told him, uh, th- Trump told him he's okay. No, because, because Trump, because Trump said he's horrible. So the Democrats will probably vote for him so we really have a shot at that thanks for calling though uh let's go to susan in brooklyn hey susan
1: hey good good morning oh my gosh tina is i just think she's we love you tina uh, and you just fire, keep she's, swinging, not a girl. she's a
2: firecracker she's a can. <laughs> she she doesn't need a yeah, mic
1: exactly <laughs> but i wanted to say about this uh, lee and actually this is good for tina also Uh, The Democrats, um, you know, uh, these urban areas, they are disproportionately affected by the undereducation. They are very pro-charter schools. They need to make the point that charter school bill was passed by a Republican governor, Pataki, Mm -hmm. and that they should not run away from the Republican brand because the Republican brand actually – is what they they want, charter schools, they want uh, opportunity scholarships.
2: I once was giving a speech in Washington for charter schools, and I spoke to the African-American woman that was leading the committee for charter schools. And she told me that she was one of the original nine little girls who integrated Central High School in Little Rock, Arkansas. They had to, to pull out the... 88th Air Force, 88th Airborne to escort them into the school. Wow. And she said, "I'm doing this because this is the civil rights issue of our time." Thanks very much for calling, Susan. Thank you. Susan. Join 77 WABC and Roz, Ramsey Mazda as we honor law enforcement officers across the nation on Thursday, November third. That's assuming you you can. Wait until the election <laughs> today, which is November 8th. But this is before that. It's Thursday, November 3rd, with special guests and commentary. WABC and Ramsey Maza back the blue, Thursday, November 3rd. Um, and we'll, we'll uh, have an excellent program that day. So what we've talked about today is that the Democrats have to have a message sent to them that they don't own us. Uh, they don't control us. Uh, we vote for them, we elect them, but they do not acquire a title to us. Uh, they can't tell us what to do, they can't tell us what to say, and we are determined to be independent citizens on our own fighting with this stuff. Um, the uh, We also talked about how the Democrats have failed to weave together a coherent national message. And uh, because abortion left them as an issue, they were left high and dry, stranded.
1: You know, Dick, that caller earlier that talked about the Republicans and whether they get the message out, I just want to say one more time, Dick Morris has so much to do with the Senate and Congress becoming red right now because he's been calling everyone and talking to everyone about whether it's the abortion or the 51 majority thing. And he really put it out there, and he deserves credit for what's going to happen to the Senate.
2: <laughs> Very nice, Doug. Con- but Congress. in my career, I've gotten plenty of credit and plenty yeah, but of you blame need it for this one. The, <laughs> cre- the credit blame. feels better. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then we talked about the uh, Democratic arrogance in trying to force an unqualified person like Hochul, a senile person like Biden, <laughs> and a wounded person like Fetterman on us, and to pretend that they're able to be governor, senator, or president. We talked about their inability to weave together a national theme. And we talked about Bye-Bye Biden.
1: Thank you, Dick Morris. It's been an honor to be here with you.